You're listening to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast with your host, Melody Spencer, a show where female entrepreneurs get radically honest about life and business. Today's episode is sponsored by Swiftly Social Digital Marketing. Swiftly Social helps people create a heart-centered digital marketing and Facebook ads strategy that gets you results. For a free video tutorial on how to grow your Facebook following by 10,000 or more, visit swiftlysocial.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. I'm your host, Melody Spencer, and I'm super excited to have my friend Trista Long here today. So Trista and I met through a mutual friend, um, Sean. He's a motivational speaker, and I met him at Entrepreneur City Live a few weeks ago. So if you guys are listening in January or February, I met him in November 2018, and he introduced me to Trista, and Trista is just the best. <laughs> She's so much fun to talk to, and I just had the best pre-interview conversation with her, and I thought, oh my gosh, I have to get her on the show. So you guys are going to love hearing all about her transformation and what she's been going through. So she is a mentor and a speaker, primarily for women who want to find balance and change their careers up and do something new. So welcome, Trista. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit about you and what you currently do. Okay. So like you said, my name is Trista and I have been in the nursing business for about 20, let me think, 23 years now I've been a nurse. Um, and about 16 of those I've been in leadership. And so kind of my journey has been in um, consistently mentoring new graduate nurses, um, helping them kind of get their career started, and then working through that first, you know, two to three years, and then having them come to me and say, okay, I think I'm ready for the next thing. What do I do? And in that, I've been also privileged enough to have them trust me to coach them through some life things. Mm -hmm. So typically when someone graduates from college, I mean, everybody's kind of been there. You graduate from college, you get your job, mm -hmm. um, maybe get married, maybe start a family. There's a lot of, in that first couple of years, major life changes that yeah. go on. And, you know, the stress of all of that of, am I, am I a good nurse? Am I learning everything I need to learn? And now I'm going to be a wife and a mom and a whatever else they choose to do. And they make all of these big decisions all at the same time. And it freaks people out. Mm -hmm. And so, um, in my leadership role, I've been privileged enough to kind of become that mentor to them through all of those things. Cause you know, of course now I'm older and I've been through some of that. Um, and how do you walk through that stuff gracefully? Mm -hmm. Um, so after having been doing that for several years, I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, I could do this for not just new nurses. There are other people that in their journey through their career or through their life have come to me and said, hey, you know, I see that you kind of have your stuff together, although that may be a farce. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know that anybody ever really feels like they have it together. Yeah. So about two years ago, I went back and got my doctorate degree in leadership. And so I had people start coming to me saying, you know, you're working the 40 plus hour a week job. I was teaching online classes. I wow. was teaching four nights a week um, fitness classes. I have two daughters of my own that I'm raising. Plus I was in class on my own to, to finish my doctorate degree. And people were like, okay, you're either absolutely insane or you're really good at time management. So what... <laughs> 
what can you tell us? How do you do that and still maintain your balance? And so from having those conversations, I sort of started thinking, you know, there are other people that need this help that, yeah. that they want to do all this stuff, but it's overwhelming. And how do you balance it out? Um, so I started having those conversations. And so that, that kind of launched my, I want to coach people thought process and um, really wanted to just help people be successful in what they were doing and yeah. in reaching whatever goals they had for themselves. And, um, I, and I get a huge charge out of watching other people succeed. That for me is you know, I love to be other people's cheerleaders and I love to yeah. be able to say, yay, look at you go, you know, especially my baby nurses. There's, it's so cool when they finally understand that they know stuff yeah, and, and that they can manage things on their own. And it's just, it's just the coolest feeling to watch people transform and to kind of go, oh, I did that. So then a couple of years later, I guess this is about a year ago, I hired a personal trainer for myself. Wanted to kind of get my fitness mojo back and just sort of started um, focusing a little bit more on myself. And she does, oh, this is a crazy story. So she does um, Tough Mudders. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an obstacle course that um, is just crazy and you run-ish, you run kind of, um, <laughs> 10 miles. I walked mine. And in that 10 miles, there are several obstacles and you normally go through... Um, a bunch of mud and things like that. But the whole idea behind Mudder Nation, if you will, is nobody gets left behind. It's a team and everybody makes mm -hmm. it together. Her, I had my personal trainer and I started talking about that and we were all going to do one together, but she was coming up on doing World's Toughest Mudder last year. Oh. And, but she had a mindset that she's afraid of heights. Oh. And in her obstacles, she knew there was one obstacle called the cliff. And she just could, she's like, Trista, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. And I'm looking at this woman who is phenomenal. And I'm thinking, I can't just came out of your face. Wow. What is, what is that? And it surprised me from her. And so we got to talking and I said, Kaylee, you just need a different mindset. So we worked on, she had the, the physical capability but she and I together worked on her mindset and that's where step forward to fly, which is my, my mentoring business came about because wow. our mantra for her was when you're on the edge of that cliff, you step forward to fly. And she, I went with her to that, to that tough mudder. I was actually in her pit crew that year and, and being the support and I got to watch her step off that cliff. That's amazing. I was in tears. <laughs> It that was, actually like gives me chills a little bit. It was the most amazing moment because she never hesitated. She never thought twice about it. And to be on the, on the other side of that, when she climbed out of the water was like, I got to be there to see it. I got to be there to congratulate her. And it just, it was, I was bawling. It was the most amazing thing ever. And so that's where my mentoring business sort of came from of, we can change people's mindsets to do the most amazing things. And that is so important. I think that's a thing that not just business owners, just not just women who are in business, but everyone, people don't focus on that enough. Um, I know personally for me, changing my mindset and working on my mindset every day has revolutionized every piece of my life. Absolutely. Um, well, and so then over the last, well, in the last six months, I suffered a huge professional setback 
I've been working since I was 14 years old and I was fired from my first job in June and I never saw it coming. I was completely Mm -hmm. blindsided and I was devastated. It was in my mind a failure. Like how did this happen and what do I do now? And I, you know, I was the insurance carrier for my family and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff just starts rolling through your head and you're just like, how, how could I, how can I suddenly go from being very successful to being this ultimate failure? And in my mind, that's exactly what had happened. And, you know, so I wallowed in my crap for, I don't know, a week or two, I guess. Um, And then I realized that I have two girls in my home, my daughters, who are watching me walk through this. Mm, That's powerful. And yeah, I'm like, what message am I giving them? What am I showing them about? Because in their mind, I am strong and capable and successful and all of that kind of thing. And what am I showing them in how I deal with this setback? And so I, that started me thinking about failure and how do I frame that in my head? And I decided I don't believe in failure. I I just, it's not a thing. So what I believe is that people are walking a a path that's not really meant for them at the time. They're meant to do then something else because that season in their life is over. Mm, I like that. And it it can be a painful thing. That's not a, that's not a bad thing, but the important thing is what do you learn from it? Where are you going from there? And, and what did you learn from that setback that you can take with you to the next thing? And so, you know, I learned that, um, bad things happen. Things that stress you out happen, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a failure, that it means that you get to do something new, and you get to do something different, Um, and that there are infinite possibilities to what's next for you. So I also learned that, that failure is, that walking through failure is almost like the grief process. So there's yes. that, that point where you go through disbelief mm-hmm. of what the hell just happened, Um, And how do I, what do I do? Um, You go through the denial of, okay, this is not real. They're going to call me and tell me that they made a mistake or like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and this is going to all be a bad dream, whatever. You go through the anger, you go through the denial, you go through all of that, but it's how you come out on the other side of that, that really truly matters in life. Mm. So I decided that I was going to look for the opportunities in it. And I was going to find, if, if it killed me, I was going to find the silver lining in all of this. And so mm-hmm. I got, this happened in June. It was June 5th of this year. My kids were out of school. My oldest daughter is a, now a sophomore. I've only got her for a finite period of time before she's off to live her life. Mm-hmm. I got to spend the whole summer with her and my 11-year-old daughter doing whatever we wanted to do. I had a summer off. I've never had a summer off. It was awesome. So it was a blessing in disguise. It was. It was. We had the best summer. I got to sit, you know, we hung out at the pool. We went and had lunch. We hung out at home. We did what really ever we wanted to do. But it was time that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And so I chose to look at it that way. I made a choice about how I was going to view this. Mm. Um, and, And really when bad things happen to us or when perceived failures because it's not a real thing, it's a perception, happened to us, it's a choice as to what we do with it. And so 
I made the choice to make sure that my daughters knew that, you know, even setbacks don't have to, to be the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um, so then by the end of the summer, I, I have a, a different job now. I'm working at a different hospital and I had the opportunity to create a unit. So I'm, I'm opening up a brand new nursing unit in a hospital that I get to pick my staff. I get to build the, um, the team that I'm going to work with. And it, it's an amazing opportunity. It's not something that people get to do all the time. Mm. So, you know, I, I started, that's when I, and then I met Sean. Our, our mutual friend. I met Sean through a Facebook group that I'm in and actually started talking with him and working with him and had this message in my heart that I just felt like I needed to get out to other people. And in the meantime, I had also been working with another coach named Wendy Cause, is how you pronounce her last name, Wendy Cause, in building a business on based on mentoring other people and helping other people. And how do I get that out there? Mm-hmm. So she helped me with my content, my, how do I put these messages into something that people can really use and and take forward. And then I'm, like I said, I met Sean after that and started working with him and talking to him about, I really want to be in front of people. I want to get this message out on a stage, not just online. And so he helped me with my, with my content. And we came up with Sean and I connected right away and it was just sort of this, I think I have kindred spirits out there and, and I believe he's one of them and, and mm. you and I connected very easily as well. So, yes. you know, there's that thing, but he and I came up with OMFG <laughs> and it was, it was the quickest, easiest. I was talking to him and he's like, that's it right there. OMFG. <laughs> and so the message and the content is to be open open to new opportunities and new things and just possibilities, you know, being able to dream and dream big, Mm. finding a mentor. That's the M of finding a mentor, somebody that can walk you through some of this stuff that can, they're not going to give you the answers, but I kind of, I kind of equate it to being like guardrails on a highway. So my job as a mentor is not necessarily to give you the answer, or tell you which lane you need to be in. You can swerve all over the road if you want to, but I'm going to be those guardrails to make sure you don't go careening off into a ravine. Yeah. You know, and so I'll be the, the bumper, if you will, to kind of keep you in the right path, but you're going to make your own decisions about how you get there. And then being fearless, hmm. taking those steps into those new opportunities to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to go in this with a heart full of fun and love and possibilities and nothing around fear. Not, I'm not going to fear being a failure because it's not a thing. You know, I, I talk about Steve Jobs. Um, and when, they, when they said they wanted to put a computer in every household, people laughed mm-hmm. and thought, yeah, whatever. Okay, but now we carry one around in our pocket. Yeah. They didn't get there. Those, the people that did that didn't get there by being afraid. They were fearless in their passion and went with it no matter what people said. Yeah. You know, we put a man on the moon and now we have, and people laughed at that. They thought, oh, it's never going to happen. We have people living on a space station. Like, yeah. It happens because people were fearless in what they were pursuing. Um, and then the G is just to be grateful. Be grateful for the things that you have, the things that you get to do, the fact that you get to wake up every day and, and do the things that you love. Um, I try to find something that I am grateful for in every day. 
my mom used to do this to me when I was a kid. I would come home and typical teenager has a little cranky, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you come home and how was your day? It was fine. It's, it, nothing good happened to me today. And she would hound me until I would tell her three things that were good about my day. And it became a habit. Mm-hmm. And so she trained my brain, my mom actually helped me train my brain to see the good in everything that there are, there are good things that, um, you know, like I said, in losing my job and in walking through what I perceived at the time as, as being a failure, I got to spend time that I wouldn't have otherwise had with my daughters that, you know, I can't replace that with anything. Um, I got to kind of reevaluate my life and reset a little bit because I had a forced break that I got to stop for a minute and go, okay, what do we really want to do? Yeah. And you know, that's so powerful. I think so many women have those forced breaks or they're downsized or, Mm -hmm. or they go through a divorce or something, something big happens and they just give up because they're just like, I don't know what to do. Right. I love that you just walked through that fearlessly. I mean, I know you said you went through the grief process too. Oh, sure. But you kind of just said, all right, I'm just going to do this thing and see what happens and look where you are now. That's amazing. Right. And it, this is still a, uh, an evolving thing for me. This is not my full-time job. You know, my, my, my coaching business and my mentoring business is not my full-time job yet, but I'd love it to be. And that's what I'm pursuing at this point. You know, and I don't want to negate people's fears and when those big things happen, I don't want to say, you know, oh, just pick yourself up and go on because it doesn't work like that. Right. People are going to wallow in their grief and they're going to, I felt sorry for myself. I was the victim for a while and how did this happen to me and how could they do this to me? And, you know, just, I was angry and um, upset and hurt and all own all of that. You know, own it. It's a thing. It's a real emotion. Own it. Just don't get stuck. Yeah. And I think the more we can recognize those fears, recognize what we're going, those emotions, the better, because a lot of people just stuff them down. They just say, all right, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to look for a job. I'm going to, because I've been there. Oh, me too. Yeah. There's so many different jobs in the past 12 years before I decided to work for myself. And I kept wondering, like, why does each job suck? Why does <laughs> why do I keep leaving each job? Or why do I keep, you know, getting downsized or whatever? Like, it was just this cycle. And I realized, oh, it's probably more about me. Like, exactly. I'm handling it, my mindset around it. And every time I'd get into a crappy job, I would immediately get depressed. And then I wouldn't want to do any work. And then I wouldn't show up with my best self. And it was just a cycle. Yeah, so, you start to go through the emo- the emotions of, you know, I have to be at work at eight o'clock. I'll leave at five. Um, I'll do what I'm supposed to do while I'm there just to kind of keep my boss yeah. quiet. And, you know, you just go through the motions of your day and it becomes this vicious cycle and you're not fulfilled. You're not living your purpose. And that's what I want people to do. I feel like, well, I know, I know that every single person on this planet is here for a reason. Yeah. There is a purpose Um, And a friend of mine, I actually was talking to her one day and she said, you know, it's your sole purpose, not S-O-L-E, not your only, S-O-U-L, your Mm -hmm. soul in your spirit. That's your purpose. Like, what does that look like? And when we get stuck in that perpetuated cycle of stuff, we lose track of it. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I always think, so I, spoiler alert guys, in the middle of trying to write a book, um, well, I'm just starting the process of writing a book and mm-hmm. I was thinking about, I always felt like I had a big purpose. So I was a preemie, I was born uh, at 26 weeks oh and I was a pound 10 ounces when I was born. So I was a miracle baby. Absolutely. And I always heard, you know, oh, you were meant to be here. You were meant to be here. And that was a little bit both like, yay, as a child and super pressurizing. Yes. Um, You have to do something big because you fought to be here. In college, I was always just coming up with ideas. and like, I want to do this. I want to change the world, blah, blah, blah. But then I also realized that like the practical side of me was like, oh, but once you get out of college, you make money, you get a job, you stay there until you die. That's Mm -hmm. what you have to do. Because I was the first person in my family to go go to college too. So I had that pressure. Yep, me too. So I've just been realizing that I've kind of squashed down that like need to do something good for the world or empower people in some way for so long when I was working in regular nine to five jobs. But now that I'm working for myself, I'm seeing that soul purpose come back up to the surface. And it's like, it's been there all along. I just didn't see it because I was so blinded by the shoulds in life and following what everybody else was doing. Right. And I think, you know, I I do think that is part of our, I don't know, we're all supposed to fit into this little puzzle in the world and some of us don't fit some. And I've always had that feeling. I've always had that feeling of just like you, I was the first person to go to college in my family. And that, and that is, that's a huge thing in my family. Education was like, get an education, get a job, you know, whatever. But I always like you in the back of my head, I'm like, I am supposed to do something. I always told my parents that I'm like, I'm, I'm going to own the world someday. Like I'm, I'm just meant to do something big. I had no idea what it was. No idea. Um, so when I went into nursing, that was, I I thought that's my thing. That's my, that's how I'm going to change the world. And please don't get me wrong. I love being a nurse and I have had the privilege of touching so many people's lives that they have allowed me to be a part of births and deaths and everything in between. And that is, that is such a privilege to be able to be a part of. Um, but I just like, I'm now 45 years old and I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, I have so much more to offer. I have Mm -hmm. experience and I've been through a lot of these things that people are talking to me about. And, and I have, I feel like I have wisdom now that I can impart on other people. But I think when we're young like that, you know, we have this society that we are supposed to go to college get the job, get married, have kids, raise the family, retire, do like, there's, there's this path that everybody is supposed to walk. And I just, it's not meant for everybody. Yeah, I I totally agree. And sometimes, I don't know if you feel like this, but sometimes I have guilt that I'm like, oh, I'm doing something different. Because most of my friends are on that path. Mm -hmm. Most of my family's on that path. It's just what you do. But because I'm not working in a normal job, because my husband and I don't have kids because our end goal is to maybe live in a different country. And right. like people are like, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> like, like you're so weird. And in my mind, that just seems like the next inevitable thing. Right. But to everybody else, they're like, that is crazy. 
You know what? Embrace your weirdness though. Just embrace your weirdness. That's what I tell people. It just embrace the differences that make you who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I kind of feel like that too at 45 years old, I'm now looking at, you know, would I love this to be my full-time job and to be able to work from home and kind of do what you do? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to do that. But, you know, people are looking at me and they're like, but you have kids to raise. You're like, your daughter's going to be in college in a couple of years and you need your, your regular job, if you will, to make all of that happen. Well, who says? Like, yeah, I, I know people that do this for a living that that's how they make their living. It's a thing. People, it, people make it happen. But I'll tell you one of the things that I have struggled with getting into this business and being the new entrepreneur is being brave enough. And this is where the fearless part of my message comes in that I need to live. <laughs> you know, it's, it's walk the walk. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm laughing because I just had this conversation at that um, mm -hmm. conference I was at about how I do so many things for my clients, but I do not do them for myself because yes. I don't make the time and I just think, oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. Right. Well, mine is putting myself out there as this mentor and as this, this person, because, you know, I've always been um, the practical one, mm -hmm. if you will. Like I have a huge practical side of we're going to do what's right. I've always been the rule follower. I've always yep. been the do the right thing, do the, the expected thing. And so yeah. now to put myself out there to do something that completely is out in left field for me, I, I fear that people are going to be like, oh my God, she's lost her mind. Um, you know, that what is she doing? Is she crazy? What? She can't do that. Um, so it's, I don't want people to laugh at me. And I just, I actually just had this conversation with Sean not too long ago. I said, you know, I feel like the reason that I haven't moved further faster is it's my own fear of putting myself out there and saying, this is who I am and this is what I do and yep. really owning it. And you're and, not alone in that at all. Um, right. I mean, I've been doing this for six years and I still wake up on a daily basis and go, who am I to do this? Who am I to have this platform? Who am I to, to serve these clients? I feel mm -hmm. like in my mind, I'm still a 16 year old with no skills. Right. Right. And I am too. I, and I'm like, okay, I'm so far from 16. It's not even funny. Well, you know, yeah. But it, that mindset is still there. And I, I've listened to your podcasts and I've listened to the other women that you speak to and every single one of them has alluded to, I feel like I'm a fraud. Yeah. And at some point that they walk through that, no matter how successful they are, they're like, you know, yeah, I question of, you know, I question calling myself an expert. And I think that's, I think that's a thing for women mostly because yes. yes. men don't tend to have that, that mindset. They're like, yeah, I know exactly what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I, this is a whole nother side we can talk about, but like I was on a call with a potential client the other day and I quoted her my prices and she was like, well, how do you justify that? I've been talking to other people <laughs> and they're lower prices and I thought in my mind, I was like, okay, how would a man approach this? And I just said, right. I know my prices are good. People have told me they're good. If you want to work with me, cool. If not, okay. see ya. Because a man would talk like that. And me six months to a year ago would have been like, oh, I'll discount for that for you. Because I wanted it so bad. Right. And I wanted to please her so bad. And I'm like, men don't do that. Men no. don't waffle on things. Men don't people please. They just do it. 
it's their way or the highway. Like Because they don't question the value of yeah. what they're offering. And that's where, you know, that's where when someone says, well, how do you justify your prices for that? You say, because I know the value of the product I'm about to give you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and men don't, and I guess it's just a mindset thing, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to be, I'm not a man basher. Um, but I, I just think that they're, they're raised a little differently in, you know, we still have the, the man is the provider and he is the, mm-hmm. the breadwinner and the, the go out and do and, you know, women are, we still have our roles that people expect us to be in and, and women are still seen as, for lack of a better term, the weaker sex. I don't believe that. Yeah. I, I don't believe that we are. I think women have um, just an extraordinary ability to create and to be and to serve others. Yeah. Um, in various ways and just because it doesn't look like what other people thinks it think it should look like doesn't make it wrong right exactly and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't pursue that if you know if it's what sets you on fire when you get out of bed do it like go after it and so you know my my message to people is the the being open and the finding a mentor that can help you and support you and, and guide you through that stuff and going at things fearlessly and with a grateful heart will lead you to your purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think for me, when I first started, I did not do things in that way. I just was like, huh, I have to make money. Okay. Uh, how can I quickly make money? Um, and I didn't hire a mentor. I didn't, you know, try to feel into my purpose. I just, went at it at like a different way. <laughs> right. And now when I talk to women who are like, oh, I want to start a business. I'm like, okay, here's how you should get started. Don't do all this other stuff. And that's what people need to hear is that, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to check the boxes, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and my message is, you know, you're going to trip over yourself. You are going to fall down. You are going to fail at something. It, it's, it's a thing. It's, Something you put out there is not going to work the way that you thought it would. So pick yourself up, brush yourself off, figure out what didn't work and why, fix it and go on. Yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, oh, we just put that back in the box and we don't, we don't mess with it anymore because, you know, it didn't work the one time or it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. It wasn't my vision. Okay, so what? Yeah. Change things, learn from it and, and go forward. Don't get stuck in, for God's sakes, don't put what you're trying to give to the world back in the closet and be like, nope, 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 I, I, I can't do that. Um, you know, I have this, when I first started thinking about all this, I have this vision in my head of standing in line in, in like kindergarten in a single file line. You know, and you always heard, get in a single file line, get in a single file line. You hear that your whole life. And we're taught that from a very, very young age. And my thought is, is, you know, when you stand in a single file line, what's the thing that you see in front of you? Mm-hmm. it's the back of the person's head that's standing in front of you. That's all you ever see. Yep. So what happens when you step out of line? The vision of what you can see changes. Your world suddenly gets much bigger mm-hmm. when you step out of line and stop staring at the back of the head of the person in front of you. Yep. So I am all for the zigzag line. Like I'd, I don't want to be in a single file line anymore. And I, that was always my personality. I was always, like I said, I was the rule follower and I wanted to people please and do exactly what people expected of me. And that yep. I, I don't 
I just don't want to anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get, I get that. I feel that completely because I'm feeling like, oh, I was definitely that way too. Like I didn't want to make waves. I was nope. definitely the peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. I wanted to please everybody. I just wanted, and I didn't, I was, I tamped down who I was for so long because I, I thought I was shy. I thought I was like introverted. And then I was like, you know what? I'm not actually that shy. I nope. just was so scared to be me because I didn't want to stick out. Yeah. And now and that, I'm like, no, I want to stick out. Like, I want to be weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's where, like, people that knew me when I was in um, high school and middle school and all that, I, I was. I was what you would, I guess, consider shy. I didn't have a huge group of friends. I was not the popular kid. Um, I was the smart kid. Yeah, so that's how I, I was. Yeah, I was. I'm a book nerd. I admit it. I still, I still am. I love to learn. I love to research oh, stuff. I same. <laughs> total book nerd. Um, that's and people look at my like when I sign my professional signature and the letters that when you have to put all the letters behind your and people are like, oh my god. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a dork. <laughs> I'm a total nerd. But when I got into college and sort of figured out that there's kind of life outside of my little town. I grew up in a very small town. Um, I found my voice and I started to come out of my shell a little bit more and I was able to find kind of my own identity. And that was, that's when I started to sort of figure out that um, the path I was on was not my, was not my right path. I was in a major, I was a physical therapy major my first two years of college. And for the first time in my life, I was, I was not passing classes. Mm. I went from being an A student to barely grasping onto my C's. And I'm like, how does this happen? I didn't suddenly get stupid. Like, what is happening? And I came home at at my spring break, my second year of school. And I'm like, I'm not going back. I hate this. I am stressed out. I'm miserable. My life just, it sucks. And I don't want to do this. I ended up finishing out the semester and then came home and didn't go back. And, um, my mom actually talked me into going to nursing school. She's like, just go first semester. If you hate it, then you can figure out what else to do. And, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, and I figured out just recently as I was kind of going through my whole, how do you grow through failure, not just go through failure. I was kind of going back through my life and figuring out where my fail points were. Mm-hmm. And that being one of them, and I figured out that, you know, it wasn't a failure. I just wasn't on the right path. Yes. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be a physical therapist. And so therefore I didn't put in the effort and I, I was just going down the wrong road. Not yeah. a failure, not a failure. That is so weird and interesting because I have almost exactly the same story. <laughs> I, I went, well, I mean, I wasn't in physical therapy school, but I, the the school that I went to my freshman year, like like you said, I was the straight A kid. I was in the AP classes. I mm-hmm. was smart. I had always worked really, really hard. So I got a regional scholarship to a school that I didn't really want to go to, but my parents didn't have a lot of money. So I went to that school my freshman year. I didn't know anybody. Um, when I got to that school, my parents got a new job, so they moved to North Carolina. At the time, we were living in Tennessee. So oh, they wow. Moved miles and miles and miles away. Um, and all my friends, because I was friends with the smart kids, were at big schools. I had friends at Harvard and Vanderbilt and, you know, big schools. Right. And I kind of felt like, well, I'm at this kind of 
it wasn't a crappy school, but I'm at this like not big school. I don't know what I'm doing. And I didn't like my roommate. And it was just, you know, <laughs> on and on and on. Right? And I ended up, um, I don't, I've always dealt with anxiety and depression. And I ended up getting super depressed. And I just stopped showing up to class, stopped working hard, mm-hmm. stopped doing anything because I was so miserable yep. in that school. And I think you're right. Cause I think I, I did an episode of the podcast you guys can go back and listen to. It's really long. My best friend from college interviewed me and we talk all about this, but this is always in my biggest shame and like failure point is failing my freshman year of college. But now I feel like you're right. It was just, I was on the wrong path. I took a year off and did some like humanitarian work. And I think that kind of played into who I am now. The school I ended, ended up transferring to, that's where I met my husband. And so, you know, it, it all just works out. If but you're at, on the right path, those things work out. But Yeah, but at the time it was hugely painful and I felt like such a piece of crap. Yeah. Well, and my, my thing was, was the school that I went to initially was um, the physical therapy program that I got into only took 32 students. So super competitive. Um, and I got in. So first try. And so it was this huge accomplishment for me. Um, my parents were super proud and my parents are, they were always super supportive, very wonderful people that, you know, the pressure I put on my, the pressure I had on me was from myself. It was not something, if I had looked at my parents and said, I don't want to do this, they'd have been like, okay, what do you want to do? Like, exactly. They would have, my parents were too, but I didn't, I felt like I was going to be disappointing them if I didn't, because now I got into this really great school and it was only 32 people that got into this particular program. And, you know, I was one of the select. And so I had this, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to disappoint my parents or my teachers or whatever. Um, but having a conversation with my mom years later, she was like, you know, I'm, I'm not disappointed in you. It was more, I'm, I'm more disappointed that you felt like you couldn't have that conversation with us, that you had to go through that. Because by the time I came home my sophomore year, um, my mom was seriously concerned because I had my stress comes out physically. And so I was sick all the time. I had lost a bunch of weight. I looked like death, um, pale, dark circles under the eyes. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Um, I was just sick. And, um, she was like, I, I, she's like, I wouldn't have sent you back anyway, just because you were so ill that there's no way I could have sent you back and not worried. But it was after I came home and said, I'm not, I can't go back. I slept harder than I've ever slept in my life. I remember just finally relaxing and finally just letting go of it. But then again, when I went to nursing school and I, and I kind of built my career after that, I never talked about that experience because I was still embarrassed by the fact that I flunked out of school. Yeah. Oh, same. I, I barely ever talked about it. And it's, nope. it's like one of the, what is the saying? Like if you don't let light in, it just gets worse and worse and worse light right. into the situation. So yeah, I never talked about it because I was still embarrassed by it. And I felt like people were going to judge me for it and being like, Oh, you were too stupid to, to do that. And I'm not a stupid person, but I just, I was embarrassed and I still had all of those feelings. And so it was just been in the last probably five years that I've really even told people about that, but it came out in a way that people needed to hear about my failures 
or perceived failures, if you will, to understand that, you know, those things don't define who you are and they don't stop you from being successful. Um, I actually talked to a group of kids one time and I wrote my, my professional um, signature on the board. And I have, so to give you a little background on my education, I went to nursing school, so I'm an RN. Um, I have my bachelor's degree in nursing. I then went back and got um, a dual degree, which is my master's in nursing, as well as an MBA. Wow. And then in 2016, I finished my doctorate in nursing practice and systems leadership. And I am certified, I'm a board certified nurse in orthopedic nursing. So put all those letters behind a name and it looks really impressive. <laughs> and I'm not one for like, I don't get real jazzed up about how many letters people have behind their names and stuff like that. Cause you can have a bunch of letters and still be a complete moron. Um, but <laughs> I, I wrote that up on the board and I'm like, you know, here's my professional signature. And you would think someone that has that kind of string behind their name has never experienced a failure. And I, mm. I'm here to tell you that's completely insane to think about. It's completely wrong because people that are successful have only learned to grow through their failures, not just go through them. They don't just go, oh, okay, well that didn't work. So I'm not going to do it anymore. They learn from them. They grow from them and they go on to do other things. And that's how they become successful. I'm sure if you asked any successful business person, um, they would tell you, yeah, I, I, I scrapped a lot of ideas. I started over several times. You know, there's the story out there about Michael Jordan, and I don't know how true it is, that he got cut from his basketball team in high yeah. school. Hello, you know. Yeah. <laughs> He's now one of the most recognized football or basketball players in the world. Um, you know, I'm sure Michael Phelps has lost races. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he didn't get to where he's at by giving up. You know, and he still has, there's a story out there too. I read this somewhere. I didn't make this up. I wish I had, I wish I could take credit for it. <laughs> but, you know, there's a story out there that talks about how, you know, Michael Phelps is one, he is the greatest competitive swimmer of all time. Most decorated Olympian in the United States ever. He still has a coach. Yep. He still has someone that looks at him when he swims and says, you could do this better. You could shave off a hundredth of a second. Because yeah. in his world, it comes down to that kind of time. But he isn't walking around going, oh, I know everything there is to know about swimming. I am the greatest thing that has ever graced the planet in a pool, which he probably is. He doesn't walk around with that mindset of, I don't need someone else to guide me. He has mentors. He has people who tell him, you need to do this differently. You need to do this better so that he can still continue to grow in his sport and in his success. And that's what we need to remember is that we don't do life alone. Yeah. So, you know, so if someone wants to work with you, <laughs> good segue. <laughs> Uh, how can they find you online to talk to you a little bit further? Um, so I have a website that is stepforwardtofly.com. All right. And you can find me there. Um, I also, you can find Step Forward to Fly Coaching on, web, on uh, Facebook. Okay. 
So right. those are probably the two best ways to get in touch with me. Um, you can email me at Trista Long at stepforwardtofly.com. Great. Well, you guys should definitely reach out to her, especially if you're confused about where your, you know, soul's passion lies and how you can turn that into something unique and different. Or if you're just scared of starting something new, she's going to be a great resource for you. And even if it's just, you know, I love my nine to five job and I want to stay in my nine to five job, but I want to do it better or I'm up for a promotion. How do I put my best foot forward? You know, I'm not saying everybody's got to quit their nine to five job. If that's where your passion lies, let's do that. Yeah. But you know, if you're ready for that next step or, um, you know, you feel like there's something holding you back from being even better, we can talk about that kind of thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Trista, for being here. I think this has been such a fun conversation and I feel like we had so many little like nuggets that people are going to be able to pull out. I hope so. I am, I am so grateful for the opportunity to get to talk with you and with the people listening. And um, I really hope that people got, got to take away at least a little something from our conversation today. I'm sure they did. All right, guys, until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Thank you for joining me for the Biz Babes with Soul podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. To learn more about me, Melody Spencer, and the show, please visit swiftlysocial.com.